0: So, the message this morning is a little different. I only have one page of notes. It's it's a lot of scripture. But the thought, the the title of the message is Little Things. The question is Does God care about little things? Several things um, tied into this message. We were all back. We were getting ready to go, and when Levon and I leave the house, we always take a cup of water with us. And I'm a heavy drinker, I guess. We always take an insulated cup with water or two, full of water, ice water. Well, I had when we were getting ready to go. I went out in the kitchen and made got our two cups of water, maybe it was just one that time. I forget. Anyway, I got this cup of water and put it in the vehicle for us, and um, when we got in the vehicle, she thanked me. She said, thank you for that lid. Now, I know this is sort of a, a little thing, but there's one. We have multiple cups that are almost identical, and the same lid fits all of them. But there's one lid she particularly likes. It's a little bit different than the others. And I put that lid on, but it was a little thing. She noticed, and she appreciated it, and she thanked me for it. And it got my mind to the stirring. I thought, you know, yeah, what's important to her? Are little things that important? What does God think about little things? Now, I thought Willis would be here this morning, and maybe I'm not seeing him, but see if I can find which pocket I put this in. I don't know. Nick, do you know what this is? Maybe you can't see it from way back there. It looks like from there, but it's actually a 10-millimeter socket. Very little thing. If any of you have ever done mechanic work, you realize that 10-millimeter sockets like to end up on the bottom side of a motor where you cannot reach them. Did you know God cares about 10-millimeter sockets? There's been times I lost one, and I couldn't find it, and God found it for me. That little flashlight, I particularly like that little flashlight. It goes with me nearly everywhere. It doesn't always come with me to church, but this morning it did because I wanted it for an illustration. I have lost that flashlight before. Prayed about it. God brought that flashlight back to my hands. Does God care about it? Yes, He does. A wrench. Here again, I'm speaking from a a man's standpoint of view. A little thing, but they can disappear. Does God care about it? Sometimes he uses the loss of something like this to test us, to work on us, to show us a weakness we have, maybe our temper. God uses little things in our lives. He uses them and he cares about them. Now we've all heard the saying, it's little things in life that are important. Is that true? Does God really care about little things? Let's turn to Genesis 3. We'll start in Genesis. And look at, let's look at a lot of little things in the Word today. And not all of them are little, but some of them are lesser. Lesser things. Does God care about lesser things? Genesis 3, I want to read verses 1 to 8. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. One little thing, just a bite of a piece of fruit. And we like to represent it with an apple today, but we really don't know what type of fruit it was. One little bite. We all know the feeling that Adam and Eve felt of intentionally doing something and of ha- something wrong and how sin separates us from God. One little thing brings separation. And as I looked at this, that one little thing, how it changed them, I don't understand it, but it did. Suddenly, they realized they, were, they needed clothing. They felt exposed. There's a lot in that passage we can look at. But that one little thing affects you and I today because it was sin. Did God care about that one little thing? Yes, he did. Let's look on through the Old Testament. Let's turn to Numbers 22. And this would be a lesser thing. We've got several references here about animals. Does God care? Can God use the basest things amongst us? Numbers 22, I want to read verses 21 to 33. <clears throat> Verse 21. And Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his ass and went with the princes of Moab. And God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the way for, for an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon his ass, and his two servants were with him. And the ass said to the, saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand. And the ass turned aside out of the way, and went into the field. And Balaam smote the ass to turn her into the way. But the angel of the Lord stood in the path of the vineyards, a wall being on this side, and a wall on that side. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself under the wall, and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. And he smote her again. And the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where was no way to turn, either to the right hand or to the left. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam, and Balaam's anger was kindled, and he smote the ass with a staff. And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass, and she said unto Balaam, What have I done unto thee, that thou hast smitten me these three times? Balaam said unto the ass, because thou hast mocked me. I would there were a sword in mine hand, for now would I kill thee. And the ass said unto Balaam, Am not I thine ass upon whom, upon which thou hast ridden ever since I was thine unto this day? Was I ever wont to do so unto thee? And he said, Nay. And the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand, and he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Wherefore hast thou smitten thine ass these three times? Behold, I went out to withstand thee, because thy way is perverse before me. And the ass saw me, and turned from thee, from me these three times. Unless she had turned from me, surely now also I had slain thee, and saved her alive. This donkey's faithfulness saved Balaam's life. And Balaam learned a hard lesson that day. Well, I guess he learned it. God showed him, taught him, tried to teach him a hard lesson that day. Through a donkey. The angel, in this case, told Balaam, I would have killed you and let the donkey alive. Does God care about little things? Yes, he does. Let's turn to Mark 11. God cares for animals and uses them. Mark 11. I'll read verse 2 and then we'll jump to verse 7 through 10. And he saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as ye be entered into it, ye shall find a cult, where will never man sat. Loose him and bring him. Now let's jump to verse 7. And they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees and strewed them in the way. And they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna! Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered in Jerusalem and into the temple and when he looked around about upon all things and now the even was come who went out unto Bethany with the twelve. This little donkey, this colt, never been ridden. Why did Jesus ride that? Why didn't he come into Jerusalem on a white steed? Well, he fulfilled prophecy for one thing. But he used that little colt that had never been ridden to prove something to people. He used, for one, he proved his own humbleness. He doesn't come riding like a king. He came riding upon a colt. Jesus cared about the image he portrayed to people. And he cared about this colt. And he used this colt to do what no one else could do. Nothing else would have been fit for what he was trying to portray, to use this little cult. Let's turn to Luke 12, verses 6 and 7. Here Jesus uses a little animal to teach a lesson. Luke 12, verses 6 and 7. Verse 6, are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten before God? But even the very hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. The God of this universe sees sparrows fall. That is beyond me. How can God care about the sparrows? I think he cares about you and I. The little things in our lives. If he cares about a sparrow, he cares about you. So we're talking about little things. Let's turn to Luke 17, verses 3 to 6. We're going to look at faith as a grain of a mustard seed. A little thing. Luke 17, verses 3 to 6. There's actually two different references that Jesus basically says almost the same thing. We'll look at this one first. Verse 3. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times a day, and seven times in a day, turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And the apostle said unto the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. That was talking about a tree. He uses a tree for the illustration. I guess there's probably a sycamine tree there. But it was impossible for the, the disciples to do this, to pluck this tree up and move it. But Jesus said, if you have the faith as a mustard seed. And we as Christians wrestle with this. Maybe you haven't, I have. Because I've never been able to tell a tree to move. And it just up and moved. So what is Jesus really saying? Well, if you we back up a little bit a little bit, the apostles were talking about, or Jesus was teaching the apostles about forgiveness. And they realized. You couldn't do what Jesus is, call, is, is asking here. A person can't forgive over and over and over the, somebody doing the same thing to them. So it happens and then they for, you know, repent and forgive over and over. The said, Lord, increase our faith because we can't do that. On our own, that's just as impossible as a sycamine tree being plucked up and moved. But with the help of Christ and faith in him, it can happen. Seed of faith. And as you look in your life, if you wonder if you have that kind of faith, look in your life. Has there been times that God has helped you do something that was impossible for you to do on your own? I believe you do have that faith as a grain of mustard seed in your heart. Let's turn to Matthew 17, verses 14 to 20. Matthew 17, verses 14 to 20, basically the same, um, what Jesus basically is saying the same thing, but let's read it. Verse 14, and when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying... Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Verse 21, Howbeit this kind goeth not out by prayer and fasting. We can't cast out Demons. It is as easy for us to, cast, to move a mountain by our words as it is for us to cast out a demon by our words. But with Christ, the moving of mountains, the casting out of demons is possible. To him, it's all the same. It's only through his power that it can happen. But the faith is a grain of mustard seed. And I challenge you again. Look in your own heart. It's hard for me to believe that I have that kind of faith sometimes. And you don't know it. Very few of us have been faced with a demon that needed to be cast out. Or a mountain, a physical mountain that needed to be moved by faith. But there's other things in our lives that we could not do without our faith in Christ. God cares about that little bit of faith that you do have. And he can use it in his kingdom. Let's look at some examples of faith. Faith is a grain of mustard seed. Let's look at Luke 7, verses 1 to 10. Luke 7, verses 1 to 10. Verse one. Now, when he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum, and a certain centurion's servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this, for he loved our, for he loveth our nation and hath. He hath built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither, th- neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee. But just say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers, and I son to one go, and he goeth. And to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And they that were sent returning to the house found the servant whole that had been sick. This man's faith he believed that Jesus didn't even need to be physically there for his servant to be healed, and he was right. Do you believe today that Jesus needs to physically be here for him to answer a prayer? We know his spirit is here with us. Do you have a faith as a grain of mustard seed? A little bit of faith? This man did, and Jesus marveled at his faith, and his servant was healed. Let's look at, let's turn to Luke 8, verses 43 to 48. Next chapter. Very familiar passage. Luke 8, verses 43 to 48. Verse 43, And a woman, having an issue of blood twelve years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her issue of blood stanched, and Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and fell down before him. And she declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him, and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. That little bit of faith and one little touch. Was what it took to heal her, something that had plagued her for 12 years. Just a little thing, just a little touch. And Jesus cared and he res- responded to that and healed her. There's another passage, I'll, I'll invite you to Matthew 15, verses 22 to 28. Matthew 15, and I've wrestled with this passage. As I've read it, hopefully that hopefully I've come to a better understanding of it. Matthew fifteen, verses twenty-two to twenty-eight, verse twenty-two. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coasts and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David, my daughter, is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, "'Send her away, for she crieth after us.' But he answered and said, "'I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel.' Then came she and worshipped him, saying, "'Lord, help me.' But he answered and said, "'It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs.' And she said, "'Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table.' Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. So what I've wrestled with with this passage is how could Jesus call this woman a dog? It seems so out of character. But if you do a word study... There's more there than just what you get out of the King James. Actually, a lot of translations just simply say dog. But the Greek word that is used here actually means little dog or puppy. Now, the Israelites called Gentile people dogs. They were inferior. They were pushed away. They were repulsive to them. They didn't mix with them. They they considered them lower class. This woman is expecting to be called that by Jesus. That was normal. But Jesus didn't call her what everybody else would have. It's not a slam to call somebody a puppy. But that's the word Jesus used. The only place that that is word, that Greek word, is used in Scripture is in this, in this uh, when he was talking to this. Lady, It's in two different passages in Scripture, but it's the only time that word is used. He didn't treat her like everybody else did. Her faith and her persistence in that faith healed her daughter. Jesus used that faith to heal her daughter. But even in that, she was a Gentile, and Jesus was making a point both to his disciples by saying... His calling is to the Gentile, I mean, to the Jews. But he heals the Gentiles also. Praise the Lord, because you and I are all Gentiles. But as you look at that, anytime you read that, when you read this passage, remember, Jesus isn't calling her a derogatory word. He's calling her a puppy. He's putting her in a class completely different than what everybody else would have put her. And he said... and her faith that even the puppies get to eat from the master's table touched the heart of the master, and her daughter was healed. Jesus cares about the little things. Now, Jesus uses little things. Let's turn to John 6. John 6, verses 1 to 13. Verse 1 After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him, because they saw his miracles, which he did on them, that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes, and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread, that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There's a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down there, sat down, in number about 5000, 5000. And Jesus took the loaves And when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Just one little lunch. One little one little boy who provided for himself. And how God used one little boy to carry that lunch and then be willing to share that lunch with five thousand people. How God uses the little things to bless and to grow his kingdom. Let's turn to Mark 12, verses 41 to 44. Jesus uses a little thing here to teach a lesson. Mark 12, verses 41 to 44. Verse 41. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and... and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples, and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance." But she of her want to cast in all that she had, even all her living. Just a little thing, but it was everything. Are we faithful in the little things? And do you understand how much Jesus cares about the little things in your life? Mark 9 Verse 33 to 41, let's turn there yet. Mark 9, verses 33 to 41. Verse 33, and he came to Capernaum, and being in the house, he asked them, What was it that ye disciples that ye disputed among yourselves, by the way? But they held their peace, for by the way they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve and said unto them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said unto unto them, Whosoever shall receive one of such children in my name receiveth me, and whosoever shall receive me receiveth not me, but him that sent me. And John answered him, saying, Master, We saw one casting out devils in thy name, and he followed not us. And we forbade him, because he followeth not us. And Jesus said, Forbid him not. For there is no man which shall do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me. For he that is not against us is on our part. For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name, because ye belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. We have children, Jesus' illustration of children, and how he loves them, and how he wants to gather them in his arms and bless them, and use little children in his kingdom, and how we need to be like that, little in our own sight. And a cup of water given in the name of the Lord doesn't get missed in the kingdom of God. We may do it without even thinking about it. But it's a blessing that you do to someone else because you are a Christian, because you love the Lord. Or if someone does it to you because you are a Christian, the reward is not lost in the kingdom of God. One more passage. Let's look at Luke 12, verses 22 to 32. Luke 12, verses 22 to 32. And if you think that God doesn't care about something little in your life, let this passage sink in. And he said unto his disciples, verse 22, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, neither for the body, what ye shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouses, "'Nor barn, and God feedeth them. "'How much more are ye better than the fowls? "'And which of you which taketh thought "'can add to his stature one cubit? "'If you then be not able to do that thing which is least, "'why take ye thought for the rest? "'Consider the lilies, how they grow. "'They toil not, they spin not. "'And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory "'was not arrayed like one of these.' If if then God so clothed the grass which is today in the field, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not ye what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind, for all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things, but rather seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Fear not. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God cares about the little things in your life. The things that seem like mountains. But your faith is great enough to move that mountain if you give it to God. Let's have a song.